Good morning, church family. I come from over the grade, a far country, as you know. We are also pastoring the Morro Bay Church, so we have two small churches. And we arrived back home in San Luis Obispo a little under a year and a half ago from Lincoln, Nebraska. I assure you that we are grateful to be back, especially in February. The book that uh, my friend Zach, Pastor Zach, referenced is uh, called Reinvent Your Sabbath School, and it's actually written by Yolanda Blake and her husband. Our picture's on the back. They will be given out at the end. I need a little prayer at the start here. God, we love you and trust you. That's why we're here. I pray for your spirit to fill each person. Give each of us, I pray, the gift of hearing, that we may hear each one what we need to hear. Give us the gift of discernment and courage so that we may take action where we should. Especially give us the gift of love so that we can truly represent you. That's our prayer in Jesus' spirit. Amen. Sometimes it's good to start at the end. I want you to turn, please, to the end of Matthew, the Great Commission. Matthew 28. Let's start with verse 19. I'll be reading from a little different version than you have probably. This is a WISLV, what it seems like version. Here we go. 19, Matthew 28. Jesus is talking to the 11 disciples. Even then, some doubted, it says in 17. 19 says, go therefore, and of course you can never start with therefore, so let's back it up. Therefore is dependent on verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, because all authority has been given to Jesus, we are to go. Go therefore and make decisions of all nations. Is, is that what your version says? Disciples. Do you think there's a difference between decisions and disciples? Okay, I think so too. I think God thinks so too. Make disciples of all nations. Okay, all right. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to know. Is that what yours says, by the way? Observe. Observe. Oh, it must be teaching them to watch. Because it says observe. Is that what observe means here? Observe actually means do. Teaching them to do. Teaching them to do the Ten Commandments. Is that what yours says? All things that I have commanded you. That's a lot. That includes such things as don't worry. That's a commandment. It's an assurance. And it's a commandment. Do not worry. Do not be afraid. Okay? Teaching them to do all that I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. Now, my friends, 
Seventh-day Adventists are very good at worship. They're not quite so good at discipleship. Of the two ships, we spend a lot of time on worship. Discipleship, not so much. You know when discipleship time is? We have another name for it. It's called Sabbath school. Sabbath school is the time for discipleship. This is worship time, although we're doing it a little different today. This is worship time. Sabbath school time is discipleship time. Go and make disciples, teaching them to do all that I have commanded you. Now, the best way to learn anything is actually to do it, which Jesus knows. That's the best way. So how do we do this? I became a Seventh-day Adventist in 1976. I was attending Cal Poly. I just graduated. And I was dating this girl that I'm still dating. She is a Seventh-day Adventist. I was a sweaty heathen. I qualified on both counts because I played basketball at Cal Poly for four years. So I was indeed sweaty and I was a heathen. Okay? But I'm dating this girl and I start going to a little white church there in San Luis Obispo on the corner of Osos and Pacific Streets with her. She was a teacher at Valley View uh, Academy there on Arroyo Grande. And when I went with her, I started sitting in Sabbath schools with her, trying to understand this strange new language. How many of you are converts to the Adventist faith? Raise your hands. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Trying to figure out what's going on. I didn't know what a GC was. I'd never vespered before. I didn't know what Lomo was, but it was in practically everything. There was Lomo in the steaks and Lomo in the all sorts of other things. And then I finally figure out, oh, it's not Lomo, it's Loma Linda. That took a while. The Sabbath school stuff was really interesting. Now, I was going to be a teacher. And so this little church said, Chris, why don't you teach once for us? And I thought, okay, here we go. I'm going to blow their doors off. That's what I thought. I was an athlete, and I like to mix it up. So I studied up, and I brought it to that little church. Many of them are still there. I'm now preaching 10 feet from where I was plunked. And I said all sorts of things. And I had some back and forth. And you know what they did? They loved me. They laughed with me. They challenged me. They said, do it again. Come back. Well, now I had to do something. I had to start reading the Bible. The best way to learn it, you know, is to do it and to teach it. After a while, I fell in love with Jesus. Still in love with Jesus. Yolanda and I went back to Maryland for eight years. I was editor of Insight Magazine. Yolanda taught elementary. And then uh, we went to, well, from Maryland, we told all of our friends in California that we would meet them halfway in Lincoln, Nebraska. Very few reciprocated, I have to tell you. A little less than one. And so, we were there for 25 years. I was a professor of English and communications at Union College, and Yolanda kept teaching elementary. While we were there, we were asked to teach Sabbath school in a church of 2,200, College View Church, right next to Union College, 
There are seven Adventist churches in Lincoln, Nebraska. I like to tell Californians things like that because many of you believe that east of the Sierras is just plains and nobody there but crops until you get to the east coast. There actually are Adventists there and people and all sorts of things. And ice and snow too, yes. So we, we were asked to start the Sabbath school and we said, okay, we'll do it. We want to do something different though where we're actually discipling people. So we started working on this. How can we do this? And thinking, what are the aspects of discipleship? And here's what we came up with. These four, sorry, these five aspects right here. Prayer, money, service, social, and study. We're going to go through it this morning. We're going to talk about it. We're going to actually do it. This is a concept that we have presented at two general conferences. Um, from Norway to Newbold to Australia, across Canada, across this country. And so thousands of people are actually doing this or adapting it. And as we go through it, I really want you, please, don't think that we want you to follow it slavishly. Take some things that work for you and uh, and then adapt it to your needs. Okay? The first thing is prayer. So, and I put up here, welcome to CIA. Back in, in Nebraska, we called it something else Sabbath school, and that's reflected in our book. We called it something else because there was already a 20-something, a 30-something, a 40-something. So we thought, let's call it something else. And... Then when people say, let's try something else today, they would have to come to our class. We're calling it now CIA, Christianity in Action. Uh, And so so these are the five. And I brought a whiteboard, and the whiteboard doesn't have to be this large, but we wanted a large one so that you could see it. It might be still difficult for some of you. But a whiteboard is good because it enables people to learn names. Let me demonstrate. And uh, Zach, it might be good to have a maybe a roving mic so people could hear it. I probably should have prompted you a little more on that. So, do you have somebody or something that you want us to pray for? Raise your hand. Zach will bring around the mic. Here we go. Bill, okay, and Jim, okay, and what's the nature of, by the way, what's your name? Sally. Sally, okay, thank you, Sally. What's the nature of the prayer? What do you want to pray for them? Uh, My friend Bill has gone through chemo and radiation, and at the moment he's... uh, um, Cancer-free, but it's it's weakened his heart. So that may strengthen his heart. So what's the nature of the prayer, Sally, for Bill? What do you want? I want him to be well. Yeah. You want him to be healed? Yes. And filled with hope and energy and peace and love, all the things that God gives us, right? Of course. Yeah, there we go. So I have a card. I'd like you to start this card. Write Bill on the outside and then hand it around. And I'd like all of you to sign it, as many as we can fit on here. Wishing Bill well. Okay? You're going to pick it up after the service and get it to Bill. You didn't know all this was going to happen, did you? Now you're sorry. Actually, you won't be. Just put Bill on the front. And then write a little something on the inside. We prayed for you today. That sort of thing. Even if you don't know Bill, you can write something. Okay? This will go around. When it gets filled up, Yeah, we'll make sure that you get it back. Can you get that to Bill at the end? Okay, there we go. 
However, Sally brought up this prayer. We need somebody else to pray for it because you can't pray for your own request. Who would be willing to pray a prayer for Bill? Okay, well, we're going to take one right here. Okay, your name? Linda. Thank you, Linda. She will need it when we start praying, then she will need it. I want you to notice what just happened. Instantly, everyone can get involved. Doesn't matter if you're visiting for the first time. You can be involved in this. There were many times I showed up. I didn't know who people were. I didn't think things were connecting with real life. This is real life, isn't it? Cancer is an epidemic in our society. Linda, you're going to be praying. I've now learned three names, Bill, Sally, and Linda. I didn't know those names before. In addition, anybody knows that they can pray, and we can see this. Okay? Now, you can also use a flip chart if you want. I like uh, whiteboards, and there are smaller ones. My belief is that every Sabbath school ought to have a whiteboard. Take it out. Write it down. We are visual learners, and it reminds us of people. And it's also going to be the case that when, Sally, you hear Linda praying for Bill, that's a good thing. Sometimes it's praying for ourselves. You know what it's like to hear people pray for you? How that lifts you up? That's what this approach does. Let me hear another one. What's another prayer? Uh, Roger Grant. Okay. What's your name? Shar, S-H-A-R. Okay. Pancreatic cancer. Okay. Having surgery in Texas uh, soon this month. Friend of yours, Shar? Someone I know. Someone you know, an acquaintance. Yes. Okay. And I told him what we'd be praying for him, so. Here we go. Do you have a uh, pen? Okay. By the way, an old teacher trick is, if you want that pen back, don't send around the cap with it. Keep the cap, then it'll come back. Okay. Okay, we're praying for Roger. We're praying again for healing and hope. Okay? Some of these are pretty obvious. Sometimes they're not. And what's important is, if you're leading in prayer, that you establish what's really needed. What is needed? What's called for? How do we help these people? Okay? Sometimes it's not obvious. Sometimes it is. Okay? So here we go, praying for Roger. That... And it might be that this card goes through this section and this card through this section, okay? That'll about fill up those cards, I think. That'll work. Who would like to lift up Roger Grant in Texas, right? Oh. How many of you know Roger? Anybody else? Okay. Doesn't matter, does it? We're still lifting them up. We care about all people. That's why I did that. Right? We're lifting them up. And he's going to get this card, Char. You're going to pick it up at the end. And he's going to know that all these people prayed for him and care about him. Now, I have to tell you, this class in Lincoln, Nebraska, started with 15. And it grew to about 75 or 80 <clears throat> People coming and going different ways. It's still going. Still got 70 or 80 going. And they have received hundreds and hundreds of thank you cards. Letters. I didn't know people cared. All across the wall. And every year we take them all down. Then we fill up the wall again. I'll talk a little more about that coming up.
Who would like to pray for Roger? Okay. What's your name? Malin. Malin. I really messed that one up. And, Malin, this is another reason we do this. Names matter. How they're spelled matter. Okay? If you're visiting for the first time, you now know how to spell Malin's name. Right? See, instantly people can get involved. That's the way it should work. So they don't have to learn the lingo so much. Let me tell you a story before we're going to pray here. The story is told by Lori Evans. He was the uh, president of the South Pacific Union. Actually, South Pacific Division of Adventists, Seventh-day Adventists. Down there, Australia and the islands and New Zealand. And he was invited to a Sunday school workshop with hundreds of people. But the keynote speaker knew him, and so invited him. Sit on the front row, Lori. He said, okay. So he was sitting there, hundreds of people in the auditorium. And the speaker was talking about getting organized, and then he stopped and he pointed to Lori. Lori told me the story. And he said, you Seventh-day Adventists, you have the best system in the world. And Lori said, I sat there and I felt myself swelling with pride. And then he said, and you squander it every week. What he was talking about was not creating disciples. How do we do that? This is one way. On this foundation, this foundation of prayer, and we pray about 20 minutes every week. And then with the big Sabbath school, it was more like 25 minutes because we got involved in people's lives. And we would often have seven or eight prayers. We don't have time this morning. I think we're just going to stop at two right now. Okay? But you understand some of you have needs. You come and we don't express these needs. This gives us an opportunity to do that as disciples, as followers of Jesus. So here's what we're going to do very quickly. And... uh, All right, so Linda and Malin are going to be praying, okay? And after that, I'll pray for the remainder of our class time here, okay? Lead us, Linda. All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Father in heaven, it's just a privilege to come before you. And Lord, I really want to lift up Sally's friend, Bill. Um, She's really worried about him. He's... Um, really struggling. He's had a lot of treatment already for his cancer, it sounds like, and um, I'm sure that could get really discouraging. And Lord, I pray that he won't be discouraged, that um, he will sense your presence, and that he will get the help that he needs. Lord, above all, we would love it if you would heal him. That would be amazing, Lord, and that's totally in your ability to do. And We trust you to make the right choice for Bill. You know his life. You know his situation. And we just really want to. And, Lord, I, too, want to lift up Sally. I pray that you'll really bless her and give her peace and help her to know just the right things to say and do to help Bill. And I pray that this card that he receives will really be a blessing to him and um, that he will sense your love through us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear Father, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to be able to come to you in prayer. For Roger, um, Lord, I, I know what pancreatic cancer is all about, and I can only imagine that he must be going through a terrible time right now, a very difficult time. I pray that you would give him peace that you would help him with his discouraging thoughts, that you would um, send your Holy Spirit to um, just draw him to you, comfort him during this time. Lord, I want to pray for healing for him, um, both physical and spiritual. I don't know what his relationship is with you, Lord, but you do. 
And I just ask that you would um, draw him close to you right now, and that you would put some, uh, some people in his life that would draw him close to you, that would be able to minister to him. Uh, Lord, we just ask that you would put your healing hands on him and that you would um, help those that are, that are treating him, that you would give them special wisdom. And we just pray for complete healing for him. Um, we ask that you would be with Shar and that you would give her the right words to share with him at the right time and that you would um, just bless her um, with wisdom as she witnesses to him. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. God, all of us have needs and struggles. Right now, in the next few minutes, we lay them at your feet. What a comfort it is, God, to know that you care even more than we do. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you think you might be interested in doing something like this during Sabbath school? Raise your hands. Okay. How many of you won't raise your hands no matter what I say? Would you <laughs> raise your hands? Okay, I've got a few there. All right. Prayer is fundamental to all of this, actually. I'll tell you another story. During one time when we were praying, uh, Pat was sitting in the front row and she said, I think we need to pray for, um, what was her name, y'all? Okay, I'm going to say Vicky. I just lost her name. It's in the book, too, so you can check on it. Vicky. <clears throat> Vicky had, I remember the particulars, Vicky had uh, three children and she was on the verge of going under economically. She told us often in our Sabbath school, you are my only family. So Pat told this story. Uh, Vicky had... Um, had five families that she was taking care of, and she picked up three of them in an old station wagon, back when there were station wagons. And um, on Thursday, as she was taking them back, the station wagon kind of stopped running, and the parents, a couple of them, had to pick up their children On Friday, the station wagon was declared officially dead, and Vicky was depressed because, you know, there are people like this. She's one step away from being homeless in a homeless shelter, okay? So Pat said, she needs a car. We need to pray for this. And so we said because this is the next one on here for Money Ministry, we take up a special offering and an offering for Sabbath school expenses and mission offering. We divided two offerings, two envelopes, okay? Um, For our special project, we had something else that we were going to do, but we said, okay, are you okay, class, with our getting an offering for Vicki? And they said, yep. So we took up an offering. That morning, we raised $875. Now what we do is, we have a special offering, and Pastor Zach is going to be sharing the one that we're going to have today. The special offering is one that we take up, and we help people three times, and after three times, then they have to come before the the church board if they're going to be helped. Does that make sense? Okay. Well, for her, it was only one time, and this was it. $875. At the end of class, one of the guys said in our class, you know what? Because at the end of this 
service, you're going to find out how much we raised for our project. We always tell exactly how much we raised that morning. Okay? Uh, One of the guys said, you know, I'm selling a car, and it just so happens that the price for this car is $875. So the next day, Vicki got her car, and on Monday, she picked up all those families. That is Sabbath school. That's meeting people where they are. Okay? Now you're thinking, well, that was probably just one story. My friends... Hundreds of stories like that. We experienced miracles. We had people coming who were Lutherans. We had recovering Catholics. That's what one guy, Al, said. And we had a lot of recovering Adventists, too. They came. And they participated. And they enjoyed it. Some of them didn't even stay for the worship service. They said, I know Jesus is here. That's good enough for me. How many times does that happen in Sabbath school? Right? So, there are all sorts of things in the book. Right now, they have more than 800 different projects that this one class has taken on, and they have raised one class more than $400,000 for all sorts of projects. They put aside money during the week, and Yolanda and I did the same, so that we could give. Okay? In San Luis Obispo, that's what we're doing as well. We're helping people every week. People that we know, people that we don't know, we hear about it, we help them. Just real quickly, examples of this. Our first project was to a center for abused women there in Lincoln. It was $350. It took us about probably five weeks to raise that money. Uh, Number three here, $30 for a Union College student who needed new lenses. $40 for a young couple for Thanksgiving. $60 for a homeless kitchen to get two griddles. We would have, and they still do this, every Christmas they would raise money for children in public schools especially, but sometimes children in Adventist schools too. And so we would get them presents. We would get their names, we would get their sizes, and we would find out uh, how to help them. And so... Normally, we raised, uh, for this, we did it over a number of weeks, and with like 75 people there, we'd raise about a little over $3,000 for somewhere between 20 and 25 youngsters. Okay? Sounds like a lot of money. We thought it was a lot of money, too. But what happened was it kept growing because people saw how it changed lives. And here's what we'd do. We'd raise that money, and then the first Sabbath of um, December, we would hand out the names of these kids, their ages, their sizes, and what they wanted to people who have the spiritual gift of shopping. (laughs) Yeah, some people have it. I don't. I don't have that spiritual gift. I'm a hunter. I go in, I bag it, I take it out. (laughs) My wife has a spiritual gift of shopping. She is fearless. She'll go in and barter with anybody. So what people like Yolanda would do, they would go in to like Target and they have $75 for this kid that explain what it's for and why and invariably, the person would say, we'll match that. Now we have 150. Then we get stuff for the kids. The next Sabbath, we would have a wrap party. Have a potluck, or what we call a pot good luck, because luck can go both ways. So we call it pot good luck. 
And on tables all through the fellowship hall, we would have wrapping paper up here and tape and tags and all the stuff that we're going to need. Scissors. And then here is the table for this family. Here is a table for this family. Here's a table for this family. And then we go to work. And of course we had music, which would be called rap music. <laughs> Different kind of rap music. But that's what we had. By the way, I'm a firm believer in keeping the fun in the fundamentals. That we ought to have fun. We take the fun out of the fundamentals, we're just left with the mentals. That's not good enough. It ought to be fun. It ought to be energizing and enjoyable. And Sabbath school today, we were talking about joy in, in John 17. And, uh, of course, uh, Psalm 34 says, In his presence is fullness of joy. That's one way to know God's presence is joy there. So it's a joyful time. People are just going at it. And then they deliver them. Now, early on, we would deliver them right to their houses. And every once in a while, we'd kind of look around to see what else was needed. And I remember this vividly. Ron said, well, they didn't have a tree. They didn't have anything. He said, not only that, but I kind of peeked around and looked in the bedrooms. They don't have beds. No beds. Guess what our next project was? Beds for those kids. And we delivered them. We read about somebody who had their house burned. We went over there. We showed up. We helped them out. If their electricity was going to be turned off in the middle of winter in Lincoln... We showed up and we put money on their bill so they could stay warm. Here's what we did. We met people where they were, which is incarnation, which is Jesus. And we did it fearlessly and joyfully. Seriously, I could tell you hundreds of stories and how God showed up in miraculous ways where you just knew God is here. So here's an opportunity right now. Pastor Zach. Thank you. Hope that you're being blessed so far. I know it's a little different today, but this, could we see the value of impacting people around us like this? Can you see what difference that would make in people wanting to know what you believe about Jesus? Well, this morning, uh, I want to invite Tracy to help me out here uh, because we're going to do something that... uh, is special actually for one of our own congregations. Sometimes he talked about that it would be for people that weren't in their own congregation, but today uh, we're going to do it for somebody in our own congregation. And so I'm waiting actually till she steps out because she doesn't know that this is going to be happening for her today. She's actually not asked uh, for something to be happening for her, but we've recognized a need, and some of you have actually recognized that need and brought it to me. Uh, and so we've talked about it as a church, and this is what we wanted to focus on today. So now I can stop just talking because she walked out. So <laughs> today, uh, what we want to do for our money ministry during church today, and we have as a church our family assistance fund. So that's where as we take up the offering, it'll go to our family assistance fund, but the money that we give today will go to help the, this specific need. Uh, but how many of you have taken a child to cradle roll within the last few years and been blessed by the ministry of Tammy? Tammy Smith has been a huge, huge blessing to us. She does it every single week. Uh, she'll be there and she does the entire Sabbath school bringing all of her own supplies, all of the own, her own stuff. She doesn't ask for reimbursement from the church or anything like that. Uh, but it's her sacrifice and investment. But Tammy's going through a difficult time. The end, she's currently under treatment for skin cancer. Um, but at the end of this month, she's going to have some treatment that will be keeping her from being able to do her regular work. And her only income is to do her massage work. And that's, that's all the way that she can get her income. And so without uh, working for at least a month, she doesn't have any other option or source of income. And so... 
Some of you have said, we need to do something about this. We need to make a difference in Tammy's life. And the side story to this is that Sammy ha- uh, that Tammy has a uh, son who's very involved in her life and willing uh, to be there and help her out. And this would speak volumes to him about the love and care that this church has because he's watched his mom invest in this church constantly and wondered, well, she's barely making ends meet and she's giving all this to the church. Well, what difference does that make in her life? But when we give to help her make it through this difficult time, I believe it's going to speak volumes to him that this church is really about loving people and making a difference in their lives. So I want to invite the deacons to come, and we're going to take up an offering. We're also going to put up a slide if you'd like to give online. We won't be able to tell you right away what that number is, but you can give the same way. You go to the same website, and you can choose the Family Assistance Fund line, the Family Assistance Fund line, and you can give to that there. And uh, you can write a check to Templeton Hills if you prefer to do that, or if you brought cash with you. I happen to know about this one ahead of time, so I brought some some cash myself. Um, we're going to take up this offering, and then we're going to actually count it, and we'll come back and let you know what the result is, and we'll, we'll get to share that with Tammy, the blessing. But let's recognize there are a lot of needs in our community and in this church. You may be sitting here with needs. So this needs to multiply. This needs to not just happen this time. It needs to happen in small groups and prayer meeting and Sabbath schools everywhere so that we can meet more needs and make an impact on the community around us. As Pastor Zach was speaking, I was reminded of when uh, Yolanda and I did this at a church in uh, Camelback. Uh, outside of Phoenix, Arizona. And we were, uh, associate pastor called me up and said, uh, we've heard about what you do. We have a very wealthy church and they are not using their wealth to help others. And so what could you do? And I said, well, what we can do is what we're doing right here. Just walk people through this. I want you to get a person to help preferably in your congregation, which is the talk uh, Zach and I had. And so, and by the way, we just did this at uh, Mount Hermon for the pastoral retreat for a pastor who's going through just hard, hard times. And all the pastors participated, and it was a marvelous thing. There's some tears uh, that were shed. In Camelback, uh, the recipient was a woman who was a new convert and kind of a mother, modern-day Mother Teresa. She uh, took care of developmentally disabled uh, uh, adults. And I saw one of them outside um, in her car um, that she was taking care of. Uh, so we uh, had her leave the sanctuary and took up an offering and the, the pastor told me she's not said a word to me about needing money. I just have this feeling that she does. So we took up an offering. And she had uh, two teenage boys. And these are teenage boys, I can tell, are not really into what mom's up to. This new convert, you know, what's she doing with this fringe group. Had the hats on sideways and some bling and just kind of... Uh... So at potluck... We gave her the check for $1,503. And then she told this story. She said, for the past three weeks, I've been praying to God for $1,500. I haven't told the soul. I was going to take a loan out, but I decided, no, I'm just going to trust God. 1503 because that's the way God works. Fifteen hundred and one for you, one for you, and one for you. And I tell you something, those teenagers were looking at what was going on. They were bug-eyed. All of a sudden, things got real. God showed up. I don't know how God does it. But I do know is, when you're working with God... God shows up, and somehow $1,503 is there. Isn't that a good story? I could tell you so many stories, 
But you are now involved in the story. Making disciples involves our means, our money. It is often the case that people believe we do what we believe. It is more the case that we believe what we do. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He didn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Where you invest your time, your energy, your money, your prayers, your, fa- your, your, your faith will follow. Your beliefs will follow. I'll give you an example. This is a law of human nature. When we continue to do something, we cannot continue to believe that it's wrong. We rationalize it. Let's suppose you're speeding, driving a car. Just for the sake of honesty, how many of us have ever done that, gone over the speed limit? I just want to see how many are honest. Okay. All right? Okay. It happens. If we continue to do it, if we look down and then we back off, okay. But sometimes we continue to speed over the speed limit, which, to be clear, is the upper limit, not the lower limit. Right? Up here. When we're over that, we rationalize it. Oh, it's okay this time. Oh, everybody else is doing it. Oh, I won't get caught. Am I right? If we continue to do it, we rationalize it. Here's the good news. When you continue to do the right thing, you come to believe it. So what we have to do is enable people to do the right thing. That's discipleship. Does that make sense? It's just a law of the human mind and life. We believe what we do. This is what we have to do. If I were just telling you about all these stories and you sat there and you didn't participate, so what? It wouldn't make an impact. The same thing is true with Sabbath school. Unless we involve people in discipleship, they don't really believe it. It's just not there. This is especially true for young people. By young people, I mean people under the age of 68. (laughs) Young people are built for action. This is meeting real life. How can we do that? The third one is service or time ministry, also called time ministry or service Time ministry is the most difficult one because we would rather give $20 than 20 minutes of our time often. It's just the way our society is built. Oftentimes our Sabbath school would help people to move. Usually it was people in our class or in our church, we'd hear about it, and we called ourselves one class in a truck instead of two men in a truck, if you've heard of that. Okay, and we just go and help people move. We help them out of dangerous situations sometimes. Sometimes just helping them to get where they needed to go. One, I'll tell you a story about, uh, this one really stuck out for me. During prayer time again, a woman said, I got to pray for this woman. I don't even know her name, but I met her last night, Friday night. She said, uh, I was visiting my friend. My friend said, I'm worried about my neighbor. She's moving this weekend. The moving van is going to show up Sunday morning. She's got three kids, and her husband had to go ahead of her to the job. She's got a 
take care of her kids. I think one of them might be sick and pack up everything. So she said, let's go over and see her. I want to see how she's doing. So they both went over. Sure enough, she hadn't started packing. This is Friday night. She didn't have boxes. She didn't have markers. She didn't have tape. She's going down. Also, it wasn't one kid that was sick. It was two kids sick. And she's not feeling real great herself. You understand? So here's what she said. My friend there in Sabbath school. She said, I want to help her. And I want to help her today. Now this is the Sabbath. This is Sabbath afternoon. And we respect people's conscience about how to keep the Sabbath. That's what we do in this class. She said, I believe that Jesus said in Matthew twelve seven on the Sabbath, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. That's what he said. He means what matters most is what you do, not what you don't do. And if you're doing acts of mercy and healing, that's representing me. Now, there's some people that didn't feel good about it. They didn't raise their hands. But she said, and actually I was leading out, and I said, who would like to help out? Raise your hands. So four people raised their hands. I said, okay, you meet after class. You get organized. Do what you want. So they did. They got organized. They went out. They got boxes. They got markers. They got tape. They got everything they needed. And they showed up at that woman's house. And she opened the door. She didn't know him. And burst into tears. She said, are you angels? Now I know those women. They are not. (laughs) But on that afternoon, they were angels. They spent the next five hours packing her up. She's ready to go Sunday morning. We got a card from her. That's Christianity in action. That's Sabbath school. That's discipleship. There were times when we did, we said, let's do this on Sunday. Some people were good with that. We could do that. By the way, my belief is the one thing that we should never do on the Sabbath is judge how other people keep the Sabbath. That's my belief. Because it's the most personal commandment of all. It's like telling somebody, somebody telling me how I ought to date my wife. None of your business. Between us. You know? That's grace in action as well. So time and service, so many ways to serve. And I know you're doing some of it now. You're doing service activities now. You've got Life Hope Centers going on. That's this. You know, organizing during Sabbath school. Sabbath schools are organizing times. Yeah. So we can do Christianity. Now, I presented this at uh, St. Louis at the General Conference. Uh, The next part, social ministry, because we are social beings as well. And uh, there were about uh, 25,000 people there, but still we did it, so I know we can do it here right now. In our class, we do social ministry. We start off social ministry by saying, I'd like you to talk in groups of, oh, three or four. Or if you just want two, as long as you didn't show up to church together, because we got to get outside of our bubbles. Okay, turn around and do this. Like you to discuss a question. Let's make this question, hmm, this one. Uh, yesterday was Valentine's Day. 
What is the best thing you've ever received on Valentine's Day that you can remember? Or what makes you not like Valentine's Day? That would be another one. I was just talking to a friend of mine who is uh, uh, what's called single or not doubled, she likes to say. Uh, and she says she doesn't like Valentine's. So you're going to talk about Valentine's. It might make you cry and leave. But we're going to talk about Valentine's for the next two minutes and two seconds. Make sure nobody's left out. Talk among yourselves about Valentine's. Maybe something that you did uh, or what you enjoy. Ready? Go. Okay. Doesn't have to be something that just happened. It could be any question, just to talk about it. When I did this in St. Louis, I can't remember what I brought up, but I said make sure you include the guards as well around the arena. They had security guards, not Adventists. They're standing there. And I said, make sure you include them too. Ready, go. And people headed for them, and these guys were like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> What's going on? And then after a while, they started exchanging, smiling, laughing, because we are social people, right? That's why. Now, Yolanda's going to say a few words about social ministry. She'll need a mic. Oh, here it is. that better? Okay. It's good to be here with you today. And um, as Chris said, I'm just going to mention a little bit about social ministry. Nope. Glasses here. Social ministry puts a face on the church. It's inclusive and it connects people. Um, it is an opportunity to invite friends, families, neighbors, or people who haven't been to church in a while to some activities. And some of our favorite social uh, ministries was quarterly brunches, one of them was, where we would come a little bit early to Sabbath school, and people would bring their favorite breakfast um, food. They could be a, some kind of a casserole or muffins or fruit or anything that they liked, and then they shared it. The nice thing about this is we often asked invited another class to join us. Uh, it, it could be the, it was the youth class sometimes or another adult class. The pastors at our church would come and join us. So it was just a, a good time to interact with others and get to know other people better. Um, another, um, uh, social ministry was, um, we, as we grew, as Chris said, we started out with 15 in our class and then it grew to about 75. We um, started a bulletin board where we had uh, people's pictures up. So we had a, a designated photographer taking pictures after class, and then he, the following week, would put their picture up with their name underneath. This would help people to get to know each other, um, and it would also help visitors to um, kind of have a little jump start on uh, conversations with people as well. And some of our favorite things that we did was a Friday night veggie hot dog roast, and we had a speaker. We had an evening worship service at a glass church um, about a half hour away. We did wrapping gifts for needy families, as was mentioned before. We did miniature golf, watermelon feed, and Christmas caroling. Um, initially, we did just a few uh, activities uh, many ministry type things. And then as we grew, we got a little more organized and had a little social, uh, ministry group and they would meet once a year and they would plan an activity, uh, for each month. So that would help us to know what was coming up. And then some things were annually, like the gift wrapping for the children and the national park, um, pot good luck that we had where we had Sabbath school and church. So the overarching goal for social ministry is that you want to build relationships because when you build relationships, that's what builds community.
Yolanda mentioned the social uh, ministry team. We also had a money ministry team. They would look at requests and sometimes uh, dispense money through the week because life happens in between Sabbaths too, you know. Same thing with social ministry, with time ministry, helping people out in so many ways as disciples. We had a an email that went out to people so that we would keep them up to date on what was happening. And, uh, you know, we had uh, we had some sad times, too, and some of them are in the book. Um, for time ministry or service ministry, we helped the son of one of our members uh, get a place so that he had his own ventilation system uh, because... Um, he had leukemia, and uh, there were some some other kids in the in the house, and so we went in and refurbished the garage, and he stayed there, um, and he died there. Uh, and his last words to his dad were, "Dad, I love Jesus so much." But we kept up on what Josh was doing. Um, you know. We, we entered life together, and I think entering life together is what church is. It's not just a building. It's a community where we enter life together, and uh, we get to be resilient and vulnerable at the same time. Study ministry is really, uh, we put this last because study is meant to show how we do these four. The purpose of studying, studying the Bible, is so that we can do these things. Does that make sense? Okay. It's like if this were a flashlight. Uh, my friend Wayne was walking through a, a forest and a moonless night. It was really dark with his two young sons and uh, he had a flashlight, and his youngest son, Christer, said, uh, Dad, let me hold the flashlight. So he took the flashlight, and he shone it in his own eyes so he could see better. <laughs> and then he went off the path and cocked his head, and he was crying, and he gave the flashlight back to Dad. And we laugh about that, but frankly, that's how many of us use the Bible the Bible is to be used so that it is a light for our path and we can walk. What does it mean to walk with Jesus, to follow Jesus, to be disciples of Jesus? It means these. It also means this. And the purpose of the flashlight is not to learn more and more and more about flashlights. It's to provide a light for the journey so that we can do Christianity. That's what it says there in Matthew 28. So that we can do all that Jesus commands of us. And then the joy filters in. You know, we took up offerings for special, and we still do, special offerings, and people said, well... You know, you're going to start giving less to Sabbath school offerings, to the mission and Sabbath school expenses. Nope. Those offerings went up. We gave more to those offerings than any other class, and there are dozens of classes in that huge church. Why? Because we got in the habit of giving. We put money aside during the week for Sabbath school. When was the last time you did that? Because we knew it would be used. We also knew it was going to go someplace that mattered. And we were going to know how much. Which we're going to find out right now. We're still adding more in. Thank you. All right. See how good my math skills are. That makes it easy. Okay. So... um, Thank you. You guys are a generous church regularly, but I think this is going to make a huge impact for Tammy. 
Um, you raised $2,200 and 43, $2,243 today, um, plus 2,570 Mexican pesos. So we'll figure out what the, that translates to, but $2,200 today to help aid this pressing need. So praise the Lord and thank you. Amen. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Plus pesos. How about that? International. I talked with Pastor Zach about seeing if we could get something to her real quickly on that. Okay? Um, and uh, study is basically about uh, asking and analyzing and applying whatever it is we're studying, whether it's the the lesson, you know, the quarterly, Daniel, or it's, uh, or it's just getting in the Bible, just working through the Bible. Now, with 75 people, and we had a lot of visitors coming in, we found that we couldn't afford to keep funding um, the quarterly and have everybody be on the same page, literally. So we started making up um, quarterly lessons based only on the Bible, you know, going through the Bible. We're going to take this uh, book of Hebrews, which works out well because there's 13 chapters. Yeah, I got 13 weeks. But sometimes we just did uh, very narrow subjects, such as the Beatitudes. One verse a week. Wow, we got in depth. The point, though, no matter what you're studying is, how do you apply it? How do we apply this now? Too many times we leave that out. And in this class, this discipleship class concept, it's got to be about action. It's got to be about application. Uh, there are a lot of different ways to, to divide things. One is what, what is it we're talking about? Then is so what? This is how you prioritize. And then, now what? What do we do? This is how I try to organize my sermons. What is it? So what? This is important as well. What difference does this make? And now, now what do we do with this information? Okay? That's the way it goes. I have an idea we've run a little over. I hope it's been worth it. Thank you for for uh, listening. And uh, should I pray? Let's let's pray. What a gracious, generous God you are! Thank you for allowing us to help, to be your hands and feet. Not only that, to offer what's in our wallets and in our hearts. We appreciate it. Open us so that we can change in godly ways to go forward and to keep, to conserve all the good that we have as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I thank thank you for this congregation. What a gift. In Jesus' spirit I pray, amen.